I want you to turn in the Luke chapter 2, of course, which is the Christmas story. And <clears throat> if you haven't read this, it, I mean, Christmas stories in Luke 2, ever since I was big enough or old enough to even think about where it is in Scripture, Luke 2 is the major place. Matthew has some things to say, Mark, but primarily uh, Luke chapter 2. And going to read it together. You've stood so long, I just have a couple of verses I want to read, and then we're going to talk about something I think is important. When you open the Word of God, there is a vastness that is almost overwhelming. I, I have to s sometimes sit back and, and look at the Word of God and just, I, I, can, I can hardly, in a sense, think that... I, I almost wonder the audacity of a human mind that is so limited to even start to walk through the Word of an omnipotent God. How many of you know this Word can overwhelm you? But I'd take some consolation in that because if we could understand God, if we could put Him in a slide rule, in a test tube, or in a mathematical equation, if we could somehow, I guess I would like to use the word trap God, let me tell you, he would no longer be God. But I want you to know that God is far beyond what we can even imagine. And someday we're going to know him as fully as he knows us. That's going to take some doing, but it's going to be because we're going to have an entirely different body. Everything's going to be renewed. Our, uh, our, our folk that have gone before us really have it made. We're the ones still here. God's coming after the church. I want to be part of it. How about you? I want us to go back and look what we know as a factual historical event. We know it's happened on and on. Let's look at it. Luke chapter 2. I want to just read one verse of Scripture. Verse 21, if you'd like to read with me. And when eight days were completed for the circumcision of the child, his name was called, what is it? His name was called what? The name given by the angel. What's the next word? Before what? I want us to think about that a minute. Turn one page back to the left. I want to go to chapter 1, verse 30. Chapter 1, verse 30. This is the time. This is Gabriel to Mary. The angel said to her, Do not be afraid, Mary, for you have found favor with God. And behold, you will conceive in your womb and bring forth a son, and you shall call his name what? Jesus. Say it with me. Jesus. Say it with me. Jesus. One more time. Boy, that name does stuff to me in the side of me. How about you? I have to tell you that among my favorite seasons, it's Christmas. I love, as a minister, especially Christmas and Easter. I love all the themes, and when I first went in the ministry, I listed about 15 to 20 things that I thought were primary things. And I try to be sure that in order to try to preach a whole gospel to cover major issues during the year, because I, I think we should preach the whole gospel. How many of you want to know the book and it harmonize in your life? I love this season because it stamps something upon earth that earth cannot erase. It literally puts a stamp on history and factual things that cannot be argued. Men may argue, but they cannot change it. I love this season <clears throat> because of its theme. And that it saturates this globe in a somewhat right now what I just want to term a crazy world. I thank my God that we can find a Christmas season. At Christmas season, we can find a time and a place. No matter what's going on, we can rejoice because we know God's going to finish a work. Amen. How many of you know we're in process and we're headed to an eternal kingdom? Of it there shall be no end. Praise the Lord. 
A lot of people seek to make it void of its spiritual significance, but it all still speaks of God's gift to fallen humanity. I want to touch tone, as touchstone today, many, many things. And if you're not familiar with the, all these scriptures, I don't, I don't want you to feel bad about that. What I do want you to do is be curious enough, and especially if you're online and an unbeliever, maybe if you'll listen and I can take you through this journey some, maybe the Spirit of God will woo you to study it and see it and change your life because, ladies and gentlemen, this book is eternal truth. It will affect your life if you will allow it. And it is God's word. He anointed it to be his word. Let us not forget, I want to say again, the name Jesus was provided from heaven. I want to talk this morning about this title, Christmas in Heaven. The Advent and its preliminary activities but Christmas in heaven or from heaven. <clears throat> I could say Christmas on the other side or Christmas with the glorified saints or I could say Christmas with the multitude gathered about the throne where I want to be someday. But I just want to say our text says again, his name was decided from heaven. Can I tell you that his name was delivered from heaven by an angel? When you look at Christmas narratives, especially Mark and Luke, then you add all the Old Testament prophecies that were fulfilled to the letter. One thing stands out through all the truth, and that is this. Salvation, ladies and gentlemen, is of God. God did something about the fallen plight of the human being. Everything about salvation, hear me this morning, it was planned, it was purposed, it was executed, it was performed by God on purpose to reach our fallen, sinful state. Or just imagine, ladies and gentlemen, if we are, are in the place of sin on this planet and all of its evil and all of its vileness and there were no remedy, what hope would we have of any kind of decent future? Aren't you glad God gives us a hope? All the communications from heaven to earth, from Genesis to Revelation, all through the Old Testament, and then you open the New Testament, all the details for 4,000 plus years, it all came from heaven, unveiling the plan of a loving God to reconcile fallen humanity back to himself. That is the major theme of Christmas. Before Jesus came, heaven was different. Since Jesus came, heaven has been not the same. Before Christmas, heaven had the Trinity, the Father, the Son, the Spirit, and a lost human race on planet Earth. Then God sent the Son to that fallen planet, to those fallen people, and everything Jesus did was to cause people to believe that the Father had sent him to be here to do something about our eternity. And the details form a drama that nothing can even rival. You think about all the details of what comes in the Christmas story, and it is mind-boggling. I want to declare to you, ladies and gentlemen, that Christmas exceeds anything that man can do. Jesus came and perfect man today with a finished work. Ladies and gentlemen, how many of you are in the family of God? How many of you know that your sins are under the blood of Christ? Then we are considered a righteous people. We are considered the righteousness of God, not because of our works or anything upon our part other than accepting the gift of God. Today I live Though I am still imperfect, though I still have a long way to go because the blood was a complete work and Christmas had its fulfillment, today I am that finished work. And I want to tell you, back in heaven with your and my eternal salvation, I have been, you have been, if we're in the true kingdom of God, we have been fully purchased 
Thank God there was a before and after Christmas. God planned it. Jesus fulfilled it. And I'm the recipient. I thank God for the truth. Amen. Amen. We need to recognize this plan was God's plan. We need to recognize it is a fact. And I want to declare in 2021 that there are absolute truths. And I want to tell you, it's absolutely true that God sent Jesus and he came and he purchased my salvation and yours. And let me tell you, this thing called Christmas has an effect upon the heart and the souls of humanity. It transpired in the spirit realm. It unfolded in the physical realm that it might right and correct and secure the fallen spirit of we who had become sin. So I have a question. Do they celebrate Christmas in heaven? I think we must answer that in the absolute affirmative. You say, well, pastor, they don't decorate trees. Maybe, probably not. I don't know. I doubt seriously if you could add anything to the decor of heaven and make it a plus. <laughs> I doubt seriously if there's anything on this terrestrial ball that if we were to take it with us, I guarantee you we wouldn't add anything to it because it is not yet told all the things that God has prepared for us when we get there. I just know that I, I am anxious in some sense. I've, I've seen enough evil. I say as I started, even so come, Lord Jesus. I think they celebrate Christmas in heaven. If you look at the Old Testament prophets and the sages and the seers they were called, told us that heaven had planned a coming day. Just think about it from Genesis to Malachi, there is coming a day, there is coming a day, there is coming a day. A day when the heel, when the heel of the seed of the woman would bruise the head of the serpent. I want to say that again. A day when the heel of the seed of the woman, we're talking about Mary's prodigy, Mary's seed, I, I mean Eve's seed, eventually would bruise the head of the serpent. Read it in Genesis 3. And we have a grand victory over sin. I want to tell you that the serpent, Satan, has been defeated. Christmas means heaven has come down to earth. Christmas means that God has a plan. Watch this. So, that, so intricately planned that he can be just because he is just, that he can be just and still justify we who were ungodly yet repentant. Think about that a minute. This God can be just by saving us because he has by his own price justified us. I think I look at the ramifications of that and I go, Lord, I'm not sure I can comprehend all that, but I'm glad that I give woo to the Spirit's wooing and I thank God that I know I repented and I'm born again. When you put all the details together, Christmas is an amazing, literally miraculous journey with amazing, miraculous results. So I want to just go through some of these touch tones. Number one, they'll move kind of fast. Number one, Gabriel came to Zacharias, who would be the father of John the Baptist. Gabriel, this angel, says these words. In essence, I do not try to add to, certainly not take away from the Word of God, just for communication's sake. Gabriel, I've been sent to you by God. I stand in the presence of God. I want to ask you something. Do you think that was an ordinary day for, for Zacharias? I just want to ask you, let's suppose you're just, you know, on the job or something, or you're uh, watching television or something, and the angel walks in and he said, I'm Gabriel. God sent me to talk to you. I stand in the presence of God. I'm going to tell you something. I think that would shake your timbers. I mean, that would, is it not shake, shiver your timbers? <laughs> I don't pay attention to those things. 
And especially when you realize that for 4,000 years, God had spoken through all, all of the prophets and the seers. And then suddenly, for 400 years prior to this event, heaven was silent. And I just want to say something. People from Genesis, if you will, all the way to the cross had to accept God by the prophets and the seers and, and those people who would reveal through the spirit and the writing of God, but it all had to be done in faith. Since you and I, if this is the cross and it means now since the cross, do you realize that you and I, in essence, really don't have to have near the faith to believe something that was a historical fact, and we know it, it existed. Christ came, Christ died. We know he pardoned our sin. How much faith does it take to go, I know that, compared to the fact that he is coming? You have to believe it. That is a major difference for us. And thank God, I think we ought to thank God we're on this side of the cross. 400 years, heaven had been silenced. 400 years of dark days and no prophets and absolutely no news. Nothing. And then came Gabriel. Gabriel, we know in Scripture, is one of what we call the archangels. He's a high-ranking, but he was called a messenger angel. We also know, because of Daniel, that there's another archangel by the name of Michael, and he was a warring angel. These are angels God sent to do war in the spirit realm on the behalf of God's people. Aren't you glad God has an army? Well, let me tell you something. Since the birth of Christ, you and I are in it. Oops, let me say that again. You and I are part of the God's army. We're considered warriors. Wow. But suddenly, watch this. Here's Gabriel. But I want you to note something. He comes. I'm Gabriel. I stand in the presence of God. God sent me here to speak to you. I, I, can't, I can't fathom that, but here's what he says. I'm going to tell you what is about to happen. <laughs> if an angel came to you and said, I am from the presence of God, and I come to speak to you, and I'm going to tell you something that's going to happen, what's your reaction? What... what Look, if it were just a human being, but can you imagine Gabriel? I mean, maybe I'm dwelling on that a little bit, but when he said, I'm going to tell you some things, I think I would have been at attention. And he said something like this, God is going to send a forerunner to the Messiah which for 4,000 years Messiah had been prophesied to come, 400 years of silence, and here's Gabriel saying There's, the Messiah's coming, God's going to send a forerunner. Zacharias, your wife Elizabeth, and by the way, they're beyond childbearing years, you, she will conceive, and when she, he's born, I want you to call his name John. I just want to tell you, too, that John's name came from heaven also. Right? About three decades later, I think, it's just my opinion, but I think John had his greatest day. The greatest day. Here he is, the forerunner of Christ. It came about like Gabriel said. We'll talk about more in a minute. But here came the day when 4,000 years of promised Lamb of God and John was the one who stood on the river bank of Jordan and he made the announcement, Behold, the Lamb of God. Behold the Lamb of God. Do you know what he was doing? He was telling Israel that day, even the Gentiles that day, behold the Lamb of God. He was saying, Israel, all the way from Abel's first sacrificial lamb in Genesis, he has now arrived. Behold the Lamb of God. And he didn't stop. He said, that takes away the sin of the world. I want to just declare to you this. Heaven had planned that. And it was happening. I want to tell you something else. Heaven has some things planned for us, and they're happening. If you think we're just standing here treading water, think again. You and I are marching toward an eternity. Aren't you glad? Elizabeth, too old to bear children, 
I just want to stop and say in that, ladies and gentlemen, don't ever rule God out. God is a supernatural God. It can, he can do anything he wants, anywhere, anytime, anyhow, without asking anybody. He's the sovereign. And he just said, I'm going to have her bear John. And he can do miracles, ladies and gentlemen. Can I tell you that Elizabeth did conceive. She did birth John the Baptist. Second thing I want to mention is this. About six months later, or during Elizabeth's pregnancy, heaven spoke again to Gabriel and said, go again. This time, I want you to go see Mary. I love this. I've been waiting for days to say this. Gabriel came to Mary. And Gabriel said to Mary, in essence, Mary, heaven knows you. I want to say to you, heaven knows you. So to you online, let me tell you something. Heaven knows you. He went on to say to Mary, Mary, you've been chosen. <laughs> let's, do, let's do with her what we did with Zacharias. You, heaven knows you. You've been chosen. If you were Mary, what would you think at that moment? Uh, normally, I don't like, I, I have trouble, especially on television. Have you ever seen any of these people on television? They talk so fast you don't hardly know what they're saying because they... I just go, whoa, slow down. I want to tell you, on this occasion, when Gabriel said, heaven knows you, heaven has plans for you, you've been chosen, I'll bet you she's hoping Gabriel moves on pretty quickly. Please tell me what it is. I want to know if it's good or bad. Oh, don't tell me. Mary was human. Just think of that. And Gabriel said, you will conceive. The Holy Spirit will hover over you, and you, Mary, will bear God's Son. Mary, you will call his name, say it with me, Jesus. He shall be great. He will be called the Son of the Highest. God will give him to rule over the throne of his father David, which proved it had been coming all through the history he will reign over the house of Israel. And of his kingdom, there will be no end. No end. Ladies and gentlemen, our enemy has an end day coming, but our Savior has eternity. <laughs> Look at Mary's response. I would to God that I could measure at least earlier in my life, the response of Mary. Don't think this wasn't an austere moment. This is a young lady somewhere, most history tells us, between about 14 to 16 years of age. Can you imagine? I think Gabriel was a big angel. Can you imagine this scene? And here's Mary's response. I'm going to put it in my words. Whatever heaven wants is okay with me. Whatever heaven wants, it's my will. It's my desire. I want to ask you something. Do you know how easy it is? Do, do you not think it's so easy in fallen nature for us to get in things that are almost vain? They're so minuscule. I know this is going to sound odd, but it's just what comes to my mind. Did, I have seen, since I was a kid, church people who say they're Christians and they love God and He's supreme and all that, then why in the world do you split a church over what color the carpet is? Just how important do you really think the color of this carpet is on a thank God for this sanctuary, but a place that's going to pass away compared to the fact that we're saved or we're headed to hell, either of the two. How many of you know we can major on minors pretty easily? You know why? That's all about self. 
How many of you know I'm off my notes? <laughs> Move along. Okay, I've got my instructions over here. If you're having trouble today, let me suggest maybe we go back to the cross, which we're supposed to do every day and die on that thing. And not fuss and fight and worry and be at odds and live in a quagmire of absolute irrelevance. Let me tell you something. I think God wants to bless us. And I believe if you, God has your heart, he will bless you. I, I, don't, I, don't, think it's, I, I don't think it's wrong. We, I know the scripture. Jesus talked about the rich man and all that. Can I just tell you that I don't think God minds if you have 10 or 50, 100 million dollars or a billion dollars. If he has your heart, he owns that. He owns it all anyway. But we have people who are dedicating their whole lives to stacking up the collection of the president's faces in a concrete room. It's called a vault or in a savings account. All, all that's good. I think we should financially be good stewards. But ladies and gentlemen, you know how much of that we're going to take with us? Absolutely none of it. I don't know why, but I just, I, I, I think Mary's total surrender. And listen to her prayer called the Magnificat. Boy, read it again. She will amaze you. A young teenage girl. Mary, heaven knows you. We have plans for you. Whatever it is, here I am. And let me tell you, that wasn't lightly done, and it wasn't lightly lived. Do you have any idea over the next few months what that young couple went through? In the next two years, as a matter of fact. Ladies and gentlemen, heaven would come. Heaven would present a baby Heaven would present a cross. Heaven would present an empty tomb. Heaven would present an ascension. And heaven would present, present a blessed hope. That's my life today. The next step was this. Mary went to see Elizabeth. And can I just say, Mary runs in, Elizabeth, you won't believe. I hope you do. <laughs> I don't know what they said. These are two ladies. Elizabeth, I know you're six months with John the Baptist, which is a miracle. But when Elizabeth heard Mary's voice, the scripture says that John leaped inside her womb. I just want to tell you something. John leaped because he heard it too. That ought to say something about our legislation today. And Elizabeth did birth John. And the next step was this. The time came when Mary birthed Jesus. And then, I'm running through this as fast as I can, and then came the shepherds. Can I say common shepherds? And this time, it's just an angel. No name, no, I, don't know which way, I don't know who it was, but it just says an angel. I will tell you that I ran over from that to revelation. And when it comes time for God to bind the old dragon, the old slew foot, Satan himself, the scripture just says, an angel. It didn't say Gabriel. It didn't say Michael. I want to tell you something about this enemy. Any an angel of God can take care of business. And we're in a pretty chaotic world. But I'm going to tell you, I will have no fear he can command an angel. We ought to be shouting. Just, I don't mean this wrong, but just any angel. Just any angel. How many of you know I'm off my notes? <laughs> then common Angels, I mean, angels came to common shepherds. Watch what they said. Behold, set up and pay attention. Be sure you hear this. Good tidings, good news, 
Good news. And let me say, uh, this uh, next Wednesday night, I'm going to be talking about this. I want to share with you, the gospel is not good advice. I think it can certainly change your life, and I think it can certainly make you a better Christian, but it's a heap more, a way more than good advice. It is good news because it doesn't just do something about our vapor life of 70 years on this planet. It changes us from unbelievers to believers, and good news not only takes care of the present, it takes care of my eternity. Good news, great joy. <laughs> good news, good news, good news. He, they said in Bethlehem, there's a baby. He's in a manger. He's wrapped in swaddling clothes. And suddenly, then a multitude of angels. <laughs> These are just shepherd lads. These are just young boys. More than likely just young teenagers or perhaps in their 20s. Just young lads. It's one thing to have an angel, but it's another thing for it to be added to. I think those angels covered that sky. Wow, it was amazing. Hundreds, thousands, I don't know. I do know that all heaven knew, all of heaven knew that God was ready to do something. <laughs> God was about to do something with death and with sin and with a blight of curse of sin on the earth. Heaven broke out into a celebration of Christmas. Glory to God in the highest. Satan, you're not the highest. You're not even a decent rival. In the highest. And on my sin-cursed earth, peace. Good news and goodwill and hearts because God changes people. And a good, good father, Jason sings it, a good, good father, ladies and gentlemen, reaching to all those he loved. His coming was precisely planned. It was precisely prophesied. It was precisely arranged. And it was precisely executed by our God. And ladies and gentlemen, God's offer to us for eternal salvation was the biggest business in heaven. And as it's also the biggest business on earth. God is about salvation business. And the next time this host are going to shout, which I believe is soon, John saw it in the Revelation. This is John the Revelator, not John the Baptist. In the book of Revelation, John saw it in Revelation 4. Watch it. These angelic hosts will shout and sing another time. There will be four living creatures and four and twenty elders that will join this heavenly host. And as heaven prepares his second coming, the one who has defeated Satan, they sing, Thou art worthy, O Lord. To receive glory, to receive power. For you, O Lord, have created all things, and for your pleasure they were created. How many of you are personally acquainted with him? Folks, I want to share with you if they sing, we should be singing and shouting and rejoicing also. You know why? How many of you are saved? You know that you're saved. You know that you know that you know. We ought to be shouting. You know why? Because now you and I belong to heaven. I'm just traveling here. I'm not a citizen here anymore. I'm just traveling through. Love the old song I used to sing when I was a kid. This world is not my home. I'm just passing through. My treasures are laid up somewhere beyond the blue. Something about somebody beckoning heaven's open door because I can't feel at home in this world anymore because I don't belong here. We will occupy heaven. We no longer belong here. We have been, I wrote this word. Because of Christ's work and because of Christmas and because of all the work, you and I have literally, through his work, been tailored for heaven. 
I'm going to be vain a second. I have on a new suit this morning. I know you didn't notice. That's okay. But I bought the suit and I had to have it tailored. Because I'm not as big as Absher. Tailored. Tailored for heaven. Let me tell you, when you take someone who is still on a sin-cursed planet with a heart that's been twice born and an enemy that's coming wrestling against us, we're going to need some tailoring. So when you go through trials and troubles and struggles, let me tell you something. God is in the midst of, of tailoring you to fit in the kingdom that is eternal. Here's something else. I mentioned this last week. I'll, I'll, I'll pass quickly if I can. Wise men saw a star in the far east, and they followed it. What would it be like to be a very, very rich man and wise man? We know it took them two years to travel by camel, but so it had to be a long way. What in the world would possess you to be a wise man with wealth over a kingdom, and you see a star, and all of a sudden, I'm going to follow that? What in the world is in their mind? What, is, what are they going through mentally? These are people who have major kingdoms with major responsibility, and they follow. What made them follow that star? When they arrived at Jerusalem and at front of Herod's throne, I, I preached on this subject last week, where is he? But they went on to say, where is he that is born king of the Jews? For we have seen his star. Who told them that? Who told them that was the Lord's star, the star of the Christ? Who told them he was born a king? Who told them that was Christ's star? Why did they follow him? Why did they feel compelled to give great wealth and riches and travel all that way, two years one way, four years round trip, for the purpose of worshiping him? These were kings. These men had wealth. These men had power. And for them to come and worship and bow in front of a baby, why? Why would they do that? Let me answer that for you. Because heaven had planned it, and heaven was involved in the celebration of salvation coming to earth. And God put that inside their spirit. Aren't you glad God can deal with the deep parts of humanity? Before he was born, God told the world, now that he is born, God recognizes him. The scripture, ladies and gentlemen, says before the foundations of the world, God planned you and he planned me. Don't tell me I'm a mistake of conception. I've been appointed even before creation and now you and I are here. Ladies and gentlemen, heaven has known about you and about me for centuries. God had us planned before he even formed the earth. And now we're here. And heaven is known about us. And our purpose is just like the wise men. It's to worship and to live for the king. And old Herod was upset. He heard the king of the Jews, born king of the Jews. He thought he was king. And in the natural world, he was. So he called for all his priests and all his scribes. What is this about? What is all this? Let me tell you something. It was heaven celebrating Christmas. <laughs> what, what's, what is this all about? The answer is in the book. It is written by the prophet. I need to take my shoes off. Listen to this. But you, Bethlehem, in the land of Judah are not the least among the rulers of Judah. For out of you will come a governor, a ruler, who will shepherd my people Israel. So watch this. Herod with his mouth said, go find where he is, come back, and I will worship him also. But he said with his heart, I will put an end to him. And he killed, ordered every male child two years and under killed. 
Look at the depravity of the hearts of men. The next thing I want to mention, and I'm moving on, angels, again, spoke to Joseph and Mary about Herod. And he said, take this child, go into Egypt, away from Herod. That's another detail that God put in the Christmas story. And the detail came again when Herod had died. An angel came and said to Joseph and Mary, you can go back home. I just want to say that to tell you this. Ladies and gentlemen, heaven not only planned, not only sent, but heaven watched over that baby. Heaven watched over those young parents. I just want to tell you something. God sent you here, and he's watching over you. The first thing he does is woo you and draw you and try to compel you to be in love with him because the only reason he brought you into existence so that you and he could have love one between the two. One other thing. Heaven directed with intricate detail every day of Jesus' life. Listen to this. He was directed to amaze the sages at 12 years old in a temple. That was a divine appointment for God. Heaven changed, directed him to change water to wine. Heaven directed him to walk on water and not sink. Heaven directed him take five loaves and two fish and feed 5,000 men plus women and children. Heaven directed him to stand at a four-day-old grave and command life back into his friend by the name of Lazarus. And when he spoke of going to the cross, he said these words, the Christ, I must finish the work he, the Father from heaven, has given me to do. And he was saying, it is appointed in heaven. It has been planned in heaven for me to do one thing. I must take the sentence of death and change it to a resurrected life. And he will take the dust of our loved ones, ladies and gentlemen, and give them new bodies, for they have preceded us, and that day will come when John said, it does not yet appear what we shall be, but when he appears, we shall all be like him. Christmas tells us that God has a plan. And no man can resist the hand of God no man can frustrate the will of God, and no man can interfere with his purpose in the sense of his plan. However, individually, we've been given a free moral agency, a right to make a choice, and God will never violate that choice. I want to conclude with this. If heaven rejoices as it did, I think a question is, shouldn't we rejoice at Christmas because it's all about our salvation. I want to say this in simplistic terms. We get so hung up on such, as I said, menial things. What do you mean, Pastor, celebrate Christmas? Here's what I mean. Decorate a tree if you want. He's the one who created the tree. It's a tree of life. The green trees we use is life. I'm not trying to justify it. I'm just telling you that people get hung up on a lot of things. But I think if it right, decorate a tree and put lights on it, he's the light of the world. Sing carols. Heaven sings. Have a party. Fellowship with the family that he has redeemed. Thank God I have you here. I don't think it's wrong to party. Just keep it holy. And I don't like ugly sweaters. <laughs> Matter of fact, I hate ugly sweaters. Do you know a Christian has a hate life? There's certain things God wants us to hate. Some of you perked up about that. I don't know. 
who put these in here, but I can't reach them. Enjoy Christmas. We just laughed. God gave that laugher to us. I think we ought to use it. Listen, if Satan has his way, he'll take the laugh out of your life. Fellowship with the family. As a matter of fact, it's so important, the writer of Hebrews before the closing day said, as you see the day approaching, be sure you do not forsake the assembling of yourselves together. I think this plague of COVID and all that is designed by the enemy to try to take the fellowship to a measure all he can away from the church. There comes a time, ladies and gentlemen, where we have to trust God. Amen. You say, Pastor, why would you say that? Because... I don't think we ought to make bad decisions, and I let everybody make their own decision. But I want to tell you something. Christmas brought miraculous things to this planet. It is a miracle that I'm saved. And that same God told me to trust Him in all my days. Have a party. Get to the family. Get to the friends. Pull the kids around you. Last year, my little granddaughter, my youngest one, she would have been, I don't know, 12. When we did Christmas, she had her pajamas on. I'll never forget, somebody bought her a candy cane. I wish I had the picture I'd show it to you. This wasn't an ordinary candy cane. This candy cane was about that tall and about that big around. And she sat over on my fireplace after we opened all those gifts. And I mean, I felt like she's trying to drain the ocean with a teaspoon. She started licking that thing. (laughs) She's licking a back. This is going to take a while. And the dentist smiles every day. I don't... I, I happened to, whatever reason, I had it on my phone. I think I took the picture on my phone. And the other day, I happened to run through it, and it just tickled me. I went, you know what? I want to tell you something. God didn't give this world to Satan to destroy. He gave it to us to enjoy. I should put that on the sign. Martin, take note of that. Put the kids around the Bible. Tell them a story. Give them some of the greatest details of the greatest message the world ever heard. Behold, salvation has come. God our Father reaches and He reaches by a costly price and He reaches by a detailed plan and He says, of all things, I want to come to you. I want to woo you. I want to love you. I want to seek you. I've paid the greatest price I can that you would just simply become my son or my daughter. I wonder how many online want to come this morning. Maybe some in the sanctuary. You want to come to the greatest celebration on earth. I'm going to ask you to bow your heads with me. You're here this morning, Pastor. The Lord's touched my heart, tapped me on the shoulder. I need to surrender some things to the Lord. Just let me see your hand. Anywhere in this congregation, I need to make some things right between my soul and my Savior. Thank you. I'm looking. I don't want to miss you. All across this auditorium, those of you online, I want to pray with you. Please pray this prayer after me. Father, I know, God, I know that Christ was your son. I know you sent him to sacrifice for my sin. He took that sin upon himself and took it to the cross to pay for that sin that I had committed. And that precious blood that had never sinned was shed that I might know genuine salvation. So, Lord, I come and ask you to apply that blood to the sins of my life and cleanse me and make me new and make me whole. Give me that second birth, Father, that my nature, Lord, would 
desire in this greatest realm to love you and to follow you and seek you. And Lord, I thank you for this opportunity. I will not only allow you to be my Savior, but I want to follow you as Lord because I know you're the Lord of eternity. Thank you for this opportunity, for I pray it in Jesus' name. Amen. I think it's right that we should join the celebration. I think we should join the celebration. Why don't you stand with me? It dawned on me. Dawned on me. Just last night, in my mind, so I added this to the footnote of my message. If you don't think that heaven doesn't celebrate, look at the carol songwriter. Give me that key. Joy to the world, the Lord has come. Let earth from heaven receive her key. Let every heart prepare him. Hold it. Hold it. Hold it. And what? And what? And what? Heaven. Nature. Sing. So let's sing it. Joy to the world. The Lord is come. great if you came today and we could do that in heaven. Father, be with our people, Lord. Get our values, our perspectives right today. But Lord, we are such needy people. Even under the dome of Christianity, God, we need, Lord, to draw close to you. For Father, we take the name and it, it requires also obedience. Father, we today have, we, we, we want to take the salvation part and leave off the obedient part. God, I thank you that you take us each on our several journey. But I ask us today, God, to renew our commitment to you. Lord, so we can know that joy. And how can we give a joy in our lives as we witness if we don't have that in the bedrock of our being? I am not ashamed to raise my hands. I am not ashamed to sing your praises. I'm not ashamed to confess that your son was and is deity and he is my eternal Lord. <laughs> Thank you, God. Thank you for the promise. Thank you for it. In Jesus' name.